Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Dallas Montague, and here in the studio this evening, we have another amazing guest, Norma Jean Lutz. And Norma is calling from outside of Tulsa. Norma, thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. And tonight we're here to talk about your series of books, four books titled The Tulsa Series. Right. And we, there's so much behind this, four different books. Usually we're just interviewing about one book, but four books. And so listeners, pay attention today. Also pay attention to the links below. You guys can check all of these out. And Norma, I just want to give a quick description for our audience of something about you, okay? Okay. Norma Jean is an author, a speaker, a writing instructor, and novel critique consultant. And she's been writing and publishing her whole entire life. And she's also worked in magazines, articles, and short stories. And she's also published many books. And so here, we're going to talk about those four today. And so again, thank you for being here, Norma. If I can allow you the first five to 10 minutes of this interview today to just share some of your background, how you became a Christian, why you're still a Christian today, just things like mm-hmm. that. Awesome. Oh, I love to talk about my testimony because it's rather unique, actually. Um, I grew up hungering after God, but was not in a Christian family. I was a little girl that would walk across town to go to church, even if I had to go by myself. (laughs) And uh, when I was in high school, um, I remember asking for a Bible for my birthday, those kinds of things. But nobody told me how to get saved. I didn't know anything about salvation. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about repentance. And um, and I'll say again, I was in church almost every Sunday, but didn't know how to get saved. That's kind of sad, isn't it, for a little girl who's mm-hmm. hungry after God? So it really wasn't until I was an adult. I was married, had two little kids, living in Tulsa, actually. And um, a lady invited me to a women's Bible study at somebody's house. And um, so we had somebody to take care of the kids, and then we were just housewives. You know, this was back when not many women were working. And, um, wow, um, I became, uh, you know, I understood about repentance and asking Jesus to take over and be Lord of my life. And it was probably the most exciting time in my life. And then um, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this was kind of on the tail end of that big charismatic movement. There was a lot of that going on in Tulsa. So I was part of all of that. And um, I have never stopped being excited uh, about being a Christian. And just it's an exciting walk, uh, the walk of faith. Um, My biggest calling as a quote unquote Christian 
aside from my writing and the stories I write, is that I work with teenagers. I have been um, a sponsor in a local youth group for a church, been two different churches now because I moved out of Tulsa and to Owasso. And um, I, this last summer was my 20th year of working with teenagers. So I've wow. been able to watch them, you know, grow up and then have their families and see them on Facebook and all of that. So it's a joy. Um, I love being part of the uh, local church. I think that's very, very imperative. And I love um, the body of Christ, the way we can build each other up. I um, am with a prayer group that meets before service on Sunday mornings. And then we also pray together on uh, Thursday nights on the phone. <laughs> that all started because of the mm-hmm. you-know-what pandemic thingamajigger. <laughs> and we started doing that, mm-hmm. and it just was so wonderful. We didn't stop. So there you go. That's kind of it wow. in a nutshell. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. America has been blessed above the nations of the world and has been a towering figure, the land of opportunity that has attracted and inspired people from around the world to come to its shores to seek out a better way of life. Yet with all of that blessing that is given to this country, our people have not really understood that it all came from the hand of our great God. America, especially this present generation, does not seem willing to pause and seriously ponder just what it is that this country came to be such a blessing and why it has been given so much. Find your copy of American in Prophecy by Garfield Gregor. Angelo Vincent Scardoza was a child prodigy, a musical virtuoso, and from an early age his ability to stir the soul with a wondrous singing voice would set him on a course. When unforeseen twists of life come at him from different directions, he is emotionally upended, leaving his passion in turmoil and his faith to be questioned. Follow his journey, one of love, gained and loss, and internal struggles as he abandons his desires and questions his belief, only to uncover the mystery which leads him to find his true calling, one of conviction, healing, and unexplained miraculous events. Find your copy of The Custodian and the Crucifix on Amazon today. And I also want to touch back to you said that you lived in Tulsa, and haven't people considered Tulsa the Bible Belt? Am I right with that (laughs) statement? I laugh, yes. (laughs) <laughs> it's because okay. Oral, Oral Roberts University, you know, Oral Roberts mm-hmm. came from this yep. place. Oh, are you? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Kenneth Hagen and Rama, both of them right here. I mean, it's huge. And so um, it's had its ups and downs in that respect. Um, and yes, that, that is true. In fact, we used to say it was the buckle on the Bible belt. <laughs> So it's a little bit more than just the Bible Belt. It's the buckle. <laughs> Don't you love wow. it? Wow. And so with that, yeah. So isn't it so interesting how you grew up um, going to church, but you didn't know about salvation? That's so unique to me because oh. I think there's so many people that experience that. And that's actually part of my message here in Brazil mm. is, hey, guys, stop just coming to church. Stop making this a religious act coming twice a week, three times a week. Let's actually experience who Jesus is. That's my thing. I love that message, and I'm going to continue to preach it. And it's so unique that that's what you experienced. 
through your life as well. And I was so hungry. Mm-hmm. I was so hungry for God and had no one to tell me. I just, you know, I look back at that little girl, <laughs> that little girl that was me, and I think, poor darling. I, I did, you know, you can't help but wonder how different my life would have been if there had been someone right there to say, this is how you do it. This is what the scriptures mean. I mean, I remember Bible school. We went to Bible school in the summer, Sunday school, church, um, you know, all of these different things. But the just that basic message of salvation, it just wasn't there. And it was a denominational church mm-hmm. in a small town. So mm-hmm. very interesting. But God makes it all come out right. He does. He has a way of doing that. I know. I love it. <laughs> and so again, Norma Jean, back to your book a little bit. So the Tulsa series, when is the when was the first book released? <laughs> way back. <laughs> it was in the nineties. Okay. And you continue to release you continue to release them one year after the other, or what was the timeline on all of the books being released? Yeah, it pretty much was. What happened, um, it's kind of interesting how it all came about because I was um, founder and coordinator of a writer's conference in Tulsa. We called it the Professionalism in Writing School. And I headed that up for 14 years. And in that position, I was privy to uh, talking to lots of other authors and editors. And there was another author, her name was Hilda Stahl, S-T-A-H-L. Hilda passed away, um, he was in the late 90s or early 2000s. She had an aneurysm and uh, we lost her. That was heartbreaking. But mm-hmm. she, uh, she and I were talking and she said, um, did you know that Barber Publishing is starting a romance line? And well, no, I didn't have a clue. And I, my heart was writing for teenagers. And this was going to be romance, quote unquote. <laughs> my daughter has a joke. She said, if mother's writing romance, you know it's fiction. <laughs> so she thinks that's very funny. So anyway, I did four contemporary romance novels for Heart Song way early wow. on. This is when it was first starting. And when I got done with that fourth one, and my, you know, I love story. So I loved writing the stories. But I was thinking, okay, I'm done with all this, dust off my hands, and go jump into teen fiction, where, where I really wanted to be. And so I was talking to this editor, his name was Steve, and, um, you know, it got so, we were talking back and forth on the phone a lot. Remember, this is, you know, pre-tech, pre-Google I don't even, I think I was still mailing manuscripts. (laughs) And he said, Norma Jean, what we really need are historical novels. And my mind went, historical, that equals research, that equals work. work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do I want to go down that road? So I just kind of sloughed it off. And then I remembered um, an older friend of mine, I remembered her telling me that I don't remember if it was her grandparents or her friends of her grandparents 
told the story about hiding their help in the household in the Tulsa metro area because of the riot going on Mm -hmm. in Greenwood. And that just blew me away. I just thought, what? What's that all about? And then that gave me the idea. Well, I could write, I know Tulsa, I love Tulsa, and I love to dig around about Tulsa. So I sat down, I remember it was a Labor Day weekend. Isn't it interesting how the little things you remember? It was a Labor Day weekend, and I sat down and wrote out four what we call thumbnail sketches of four different plots for a four-book series. Hmm. And then I called Steve back, and he wrote me a contract for four books. Hmm. <laughs> I thought that only happened in fairy tales. It so just happened so quick. It just happened like that. Started. Wow. It just happened like that. And I had so much fun. And that's when I got hooked on research. I didn't know it could be so much fun. It wasn't work at all. I loved it. Loved every minute of it. So yeah, that's <laughs> that's how they were born. <laughs> mm. It definitely helps when it's coming out of your own roots too. Back from where you're from, you get to research a little bit about your history there. That's really really interesting. It was well, and it's it was fun because of how people see Tulsa today. Tulsa University um, Mm -hmm. is more or less in the downtown area. Well, in 21, there was a trolley. They took the trolley from Tulsa out to the campus, which was Kendall, Kendall Mm -hmm. College or something like that before it was uh, Tulsa University. And and the same with St. John's Hospital. St. John's Hospital also is considered to be right downtown now. And back then, they uh, it was a big argument. Do we want the hospital to be this far out of town? <laughs> so, you know, it's hmm. just, it was fascinating. I loved it. And a few things for our listeners to pay attention to during your series are, I have a few bullet points here, that it's during the time of the oil boom in 1921 there, It's rich in historic detail, like you've been saying for us. It introduces realistic characters who jump off the page. It contains action and suspense that builds from chapter to chapter and title to title. And the stories are woven into the backdrop of what you're saying, the the Tulsa race riots in 1921. And so those are all really cool things to look into while you're reading this book, because it's not just a story that you created. It's also history involved. It's it's, it's It's genius. You know, it's so smart. It's very cool. And over all of that, it's a Christian story. Yes, they all four are very definitely Christian-based. So yeah, when God gives the ideas, man, they explode. (laughs) I have another question for you. What are some of the characters that we can meet in your series? And also, what are some of the experiences that they learned? And what can we learn from them as we're reading this book? Now, that might take a while. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe your favorite part. Yeah, there you go. Cut it short, Norma Jean. (laughs) (laughs) Um, God is so unique and he's so creative. Uh, So what happened was books one and three star one character. And then books two and four star another character. Mm -hmm. 
Quetonica was very unique. I don't know that I've seen a, a series quite like that. But the one character when we start out is this little 19-year-old girl who lives out in the country outside of Tulsa, and her father's a bootlegger, and he's mean and hateful. And he has, um, as a debt that he owes, he's promised his Tessa, his daughter, to this other bootlegger to marry. So her pastor helps her escape and go to Tulsa. And she's already a school teacher. You know, back then, even 16, 17-year-old girls were school teachers. So she was 19. And so she goes to Tulsa to answer an ad to be a governess for the children of a oil baron. And through a series of circumstances, she does get that position. Well, in this big mansion, which, by the way, in 1921 in Tulsa, there were 51 millionaires. Count them. 51 millionaires in Tulsa. Oil was called the oil Mm -hmm. capital of the world. It really was. So she's this little innocent gal who loves everybody, loves the Lord. And in this big mansion, there's the help. There's Paul. He's the butler. And there's Chloe. She's the cook. And Chloe's son, Jasper. And she just loves them. She's friends with them. She spends time with them. She talks with them. And then she finds out she's not supposed to be doing that. And then she gets all embroiled in all the controversy and the racial divide, and it's bewildering to her. So then in, uh, and she gets sucked into the riot, which now, a hundred years later, (laughs) they're calling it a massacre. It's not, no longer called the Tulsa race riot. And of course, there'll be a Mm -hmm. big anniversary thing in, at the end of May. So we won't go off there, but there's a lot, if you just look it up, in Tulsa for the anniversary. And then the fun thing is when we go to um, Tulsa Turning, the second book, now we're in New York City and we have this very, very wealthy young lady who turns her back on all the wealth and the money to live in a little apartment because all she wants to do is become a news reporter. So her chief, editor thinks it's really funny set that girl on a train send her to Tulsa and have her cover this uprising they call it (laughs) go go cover the uprising so now she finds herself in the middle of Tulsa trying to get to the bottom of everything and she can't get any answers because they're covering everything up so and I, I found in my research they were covering everything up so it was very interesting so those are the now, Clarette, our, our reporter, when she comes to Tulsa, she's very much atheistic, you know, doesn't think anything about God or care anything about God. And then she starts meeting some Christians and then she gets saved. So it's just fun how their lives all intertwine and how it all then is against the backdrop of this horrific, horrific event that took place. Uh, Greenwood was called the Wall Street. Um, the Black Wall Street, because it was so, um, everyone there was wealthy. 
you know, it was in its own little place, but it was huge. I mean, it was 30, 40 blocks square and they burned it all to the ground. It sounds like you have some really strong characters. They are strong. They carry their own story, their own characteristics, just like you were saying. Yeah. And I, hmm. I always fall in love with my characters. I think they're awesome. <laughs> but hey, God gave them to me. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so mm -hmm. it's fun. Yes, keep repping it. Yeah. Why not, right? Strong characters, strong <laughs> stories. I'm very big on story. And you're a great storyteller as well. I feel like I'm seeing it in my eyes too, reading the book, just hearing you talk. So thank you for sharing all of those things. And we answered most of the questions I wanted to talk about today. Did you have something else to mention? I was just going to say Jesus was a storyteller. Mm. I love that. You yeah. know, he that's how he taught. He told stories. Amazing. What would you say, Norma Jean, would be your overall message for our listeners today? Walk out your dreams. Walk out your calling. There are so many times. I'm, um, I'm single, self-supporting. Um, you know, writing doesn't make you a millionaire unless you have a name that everybody recognizes <laughs> mm -hmm. or has recognized for you. But I followed my calling. I've never, I've had to back away from it different times and lay it down before the throne of grace and just say, Lord, you take it. If it's mine, it's coming back. Um, and so I'm, I walk out my calling and I follow my dreams and I'll never, ever, ever be sorry. Even though there've been times when, you know, a penny was a wonderful thing <laughs> and a nickel was even better, <laughs> but it, it was all okay. It's all okay because God has it and he's the provider. And that's, where my trust is. Wow. I think that's a wonderful way to end the podcast. Norma Jean, if I can have you in the podcast with a prayer for our audience today, I would really appreciate it. Oh, I would love to do that. Father God, we come before the, your throne of grace, thanking you, praising you, loving you, worshiping you. Father, you're so faithful. And for the people who are listening to me, if they have laid down a dream or they took it like the guy with it, one talent and they literally dug a hole and buried it because they just thought you were too hard of a taskmaster. Lord, I pray for those people to go back to that place where that dream was buried and that it could be uncovered and dusted off and brought out and rejuvenated because you can do that, Father. You're a restorer. You are the restorer. So, Father, I just pray blessings over those people who are listening today. Thank you for each one of them. Watch over them and keep them safe. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. With your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.